0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: It's podcast. I am John Miller, as always, joined by Steve Dace, going to talk about Iowa's win this past weekend and also look ahead to the last regular season game of 2019. We are in Thanksgiving week, if you can believe it. Now, Steve, before we go in, I know that you are a self-described Christmas slappy. Uh, you and I both today were out putting up a few lights and doing a little outside things. And, um, as you know, I have a very hard, fast rule, which I've changed to a personal rule this year because my family began to, uh, began to veto me and, and I don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving day. Uh, I I do it not because I'm a Scrooge, but because I want to try and keep the Christmas season as special and unique as possible. So any extension of that music makes me think that I, it just won't be as special to me. I, I, when I hear it, it'll, it'll just, if I'm mm-hmm. looking to it two months out of the year after Halloween, and that's like, I don't know, two months is almost 10% of a year. If not, much more than, well, yeah, it's more than 10%. It's two out of 12. It's one out of six. And that's 15% of a year. That's too much for me personally. But my kids brought up a good point this week. Thanksgiving's late this year. And we should have a new rule in my house that Christmas music can be allowed 30 days prior to Christmas Day, which would be the 25th, which will be tomorrow. So I, I agreed to amend that. When do you start playing Christmas music?
0: I don't have a hard, fast rule. It varies. It, 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 it doesn't come, the earliest it can come for me is November. Now, you know, I don't believe Thanksgiving is a season. There aren't any Thanksgiving carols. Um, You know, nobody buys any Thanksgiving gifts. Thanksgiving is a day and a very important one. It goes back to the very founding of the country, okay? Um, But uh, it's a day. It's not a season. So I don't think you risk anything by taking, you know, if you're playing uh, Christmas music, you know, after Veterans Day in mid-November, I think you, you can walk and chew gum at the same time on that fourth Thursday and take a break and enjoy Thanksgiving because after all, when we all watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade when we were kids, we stuck out to the end for what? What was the culmination of the parade? Santa, Santa shows up. Yeah, you know. So um, I, I don't. I, I will say this though. When 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 you know, Costco is one of my favorite places on earth.
1: Did not know that about you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's everything I love about America. A bunch of stuff you don't need, but you can get it in bulk. Love it. Okay. Um, but when we were doing our twice, we go to Costco twice a month, I get paid twice a month, the first and the 15th, that's when we go to Costco. And when we were there October 15th, and they had some Christmas stuff out, and we were two weeks from Halloween, that's where I was, even I, your noted Christmas slap, was like, come on, man. I mean, come on. Okay, this, because I do think now you get into the territory of taking some of the specialness away. But it's a little bit like when you hear politicians quote am I my brother's keeper from the Bible? And it's funny when they quote that because the guy who said it was the first murderer Cain. It's what he said after he murdered his brother Abel to God. What, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Is that my job? So it's always funny when politicians quote this. I bring that up because I'm going to affirmatively quote Scrooge in a bad context when he says, you keep Christmas in your way and I'll keep it in mine. Now, he meant that very bah humbuggy, but I kind of mean it. You know what, man? The last thing... the, the There's a lot of things this world needs less of. Christmas isn't one of them, you know? So if you enjoyed going through the aisles at Costco, this is where I'm changing a little bit as I get older. You know, I still hate soccer. I still believe it's a communist sport. But, and I will tell you that if you ask me, but if you want to watch it, I mean, mean, it's not my bag. Now, 10 years ago, I'd have thought it was my job to drive you away, okay? So Christmas at Costco on October 15th, I kind of felt like it reeked of commercialism wasn't my thing and I'm a Christmas slap, but you know what, man, if you came in there that day and you were having a bad day and, and seeing some Christmas stuff out made you walk down the aisle and put you in a better mood, is that the worst? Yeah, it's probably a cash grab, but, it, but if, if, if stuff like that happened across the, for a few people, is that the, is that a terrible thing? No, it's not a terrible thing. Right, so you keep Christmas in your way. I'll keep it in mind. For me, any time after Halloween is fine. It's November. You know, I, I we were you and I were sitting here doing college football win totals on the podcast. On you know, fifty-six days before the season began, we weren't like it's too early. Teams aren't even in camp yet. You know, well, if, if, if we're not going to feel that way about freaking college football, why are we sitting here saying, "Oh, it's forty-one days until Christmas, man. Don't waste it." mean it doesn't does it, should, should should college football get more of a of a of a of a preseason fervor from us than uh the 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 birth and sending of our savior i i think probably not you know i'm still i'm 46 it does. years old
1: it, it so I'm, does. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm fighting maturing but something tells me the answer to that question should be no <laughs> all right so um I, I i i'm fine with it you know I used to be, too, we, we got to put our, our stuff up the Friday after Thanksgiving. And yeah. And now, now we put it up, it depends, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday before. Sometimes we put it up before Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving's late like it is this year, you know. So I, I think it's about the reason for the season, not necessarily that um, we, uh, we strain a gnat to swallow a camel here uh, and then follow it up with Merry Christmas and it's okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I want to get back to one thing you said. You get paid twice a month, and you said, that's when we go to Costco. Mm-hmm. I'm envisioning you, Amy, and the whole fam hopping in the minivan, just freaking bouncing and hopping and smiling and grinning for that short little drive over to Costco. All five of you, please tell me that's what you do.
0: It used to be that way when, but until I got older, you know, and when they got older, they didn't want a minivan anymore and Amy didn't want to drive one anymore. So Amy has like a, one of those um, uh, mini uh, SUVs types, you know, That okay. um, I, and then I have a full-fledged Ford Edge SUV and we use yeah. that. That's and a far, they, now,
1: yeah, far less important the, aspect to the story.
0: And now the kids are almost too cool to go to Costco with us unless uh, they're really bored. Okay. So most of the time, it's just Amy and I going by ourselves now. But when I mean, we were lit, when, the, when the kids were younger, it was exactly like that. Lining now, up for all the yeah. samples and everything oh, else, you couldn't get yeah. enough.
1: Yeah. Two, two hours, it goes by like two minutes.
0: You bet, Yeah. especially this time of year. And can I just say, you know what? If you are a cookie dough aficionado, and you know that I am, <laughs> the absolute best cookie dough I've had in my life Anywhere I've been in the country is there's this cookie dough that Costco only sells holiday season so between in November for Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's in this it's in the it's in the frozen it's in the refrigerated section and it's in a red and white cube and it has like no no label it just says good cookie dough five pounds I bought it once on a lark because I I couldn't believe someone would ever buy five pounds of cookie dough like ever at one time. And so I just thought like, I'm going to do it. it then. And And I brought it home a few days later and made it and tried, sampled the cookie dough and the cookies that we baked. Best cookies that we've ever made. Best cookie dough I've ever had. And so the last few years, man, I buy this stuff in bulk. I freeze it and bring it out all year long to make cookies and stuff with it. So, it's in a red and white cube at Costco. It's a five pound thing of cookie dough, and it is magical.
1: You know, I got to be honest. I, I don't think I've been in a Costco since we moved from West Des Moines in 2013. Believe that? I've changed a lot sorry, since man, I moved I'm, to Tulsa, Steve.
0: <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry, man. I, I can't imagine living. Without being close to a Costco, I love Costco. Oh,
1: there's didn't say there's not one here. It's just about thirty minutes from my house, and I just you know, I got a Sam's right by me. So,
0: and and that's okay too. That's all right.
1: Yeah, I've been to a Sam's probably ten times in the last seven years. It's not my thing. But it's okay. It's okay that it's
0: yours. It's all it's right. My, it, it, it's definitely my thing. For sure.
1: And you're not alone. I got my law degree
0: from Costco. <laughs> it was hard to get admitted, but my dad pulled some strings. One of the mm-hmm. great movie lines ever from Idiocracy. Yes.
1: Iowa, 19. Illinois, 10. <laughs> There's just no segue there. Uh, 19 to 10 um, for, I think, the eighth time this year. Iowa holds its opponent to its season-low scoring total. Uh, For the 10th time in 11 games, Iowa holds its opponent under 20 points, something that they haven't done since 1997, and they've only done a handful of times ever. Um, Another game that offensively wasn't all that fulfilling on the whole uh, but it was enough. The defense gives up 192 yards rushing, but Iowa, it never felt like Iowa wasn't in control. They were at least a step and a half ahead of Illinois. Iowa plus two in turnovers. It was the first game all year where Illinois didn't have at least two takeaways uh, in a game. I, I will say that uh, that Illinois defense, man, they that's, that's a fun defense to watch. Their linebackers are really good. Uh, Iowa actually had a push pretty well with its line of scrimmage, but the but they couldn't get anybody on those linebackers, which meant their defensive linemen were doing their jobs. So on the whole, it was not an easy day, but uh, you know they still they skill they still decide games by points. Illinois had uh, just ten, and Iowa moves to eight and three on the season, five and three in the Big Ten standings. I think we both had them with eight wins before the year, so they hit that mark. And I think Mm -hmm. we might have both had them six and three in Big Ten play. They can do that, which would also mean they get to nine wins and exceed that mark. Before we look forward to Illinois, your thoughts on – or to Nebraska, your thoughts on the game that just took place on Saturday.
0: So full disclosure up front, I paid very close attention to this game. I dipped in and out of it on a frequent basis – but with Mich- with Penn State and Ohio State playing, uh, you know, our league's game of the year at the same time, that had uh, the kind of attention a Michigan game that was on at the same time as Iowa would have for me. Uh, so, if if I'm not quite as specific or on point in my analysis, please uh, save the tweets. And I'm asking a little upfront for a bit of a handicap here. Um, I know the course very well, but I didn't get a practice round ahead of time.
1: How about I just yeah. roll you instead of everybody else?
0: That's fine, too. So, okay. so correct me. So I, so if I'm taking anything out of context or I'm projecting, by all means. All right. Put me on it, okay? Okay. But from what I did see, it seemed like a lot of it was kind of the game I thought you were going to see. Um, kind of ugly. Um, you know, Iowa had a lot of – it really felt like the game against Minnesota was the senior day, last home game of the year kind of feel the week before and then after all of that emotion is poured into beating a the best Minnesota team um, you know since at least uh, the summer of love and maybe even before you go to World War II if that's not good enough for you you put a lot into that and then to come back and say and here's the Illinois team we put 63 on in their in their arena lat, or their stadium last year it, it just really felt like a, a, a spot where Iowa's analytics could we could see some regression to the mean. And yeah, I think you saw that with the Illinois rushing game and things of that nature. And I, I really felt like it was a weird game. I mean, you don't win a lot of college football games with, with a score of 19 points, but Iowa also won one earlier this year by another weird score with 18. Right. And it's been kind of a weird season for Iowa. I thought it reinforced what I said on our pod last week. I think this is one of the best coaching jobs in terms of week to week game management that's been done in the Ferrans era. If you want to complain that it's year 20 and we should have a better talent base if you're an Iowa fan and you want to say those things and you should should have seen more development from Nathan Stanley in his third year, I mean, those macro level debates I think are totally fair to have. I think some of those criticisms are even fair to have, but I think they should be separated from on a week-to-week basis. Given the cards they dealt themselves, because you don't, you don't have cards that are dealt to you in college football. Even if you have injuries, you recruited all the backups. You're responsible for every all 85 players. They're yours. You've been developing them. You hand handpicked them. A general manager didn't just say, hey, I signed this guy off the street. He's our tailback today. So this is your program. So you're not really dealt cards in college football you, but, 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 unless you deal them yourself. Given the hand they dealt themselves, I think they have maximized this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think to the, they, the analytics went against them on Saturday with things like those rushing stats. And they still were in physical control of the game. And it never felt like here's – here's the only time I thought Iowa might lose is Iowa gets the interception against Brandon Peters on Illinois' opening drive goes down the field and then misses the field goal. And then Illinois comes back with a touchdown. And I think I tweeted this at the time because I've watched quite a bit of Illinois this year. That literally is what every game they've won looks like. Just like that. Right. You know, where they, they got momentum off of a mistake. Like you go down, Iowa goes right down the field, that third and 10 on that first third down conversion that Iowa had in the game, one of the best throws Nathan Stanley's made in his career. And I thought, boy, if he's going to throw the ball like this on his last day, it's going to be a long day for Illinois. Little did I know when I turned it back 10 minutes later, he had missed like his next six passes after that. But, um, you know, Iowa goes right down the field, right through you. Then you get a turnover. And that's where, you are You know, if Iowa punches it in there, it's probably named the score Saturday. Instead, going a field goal. Illinois comes back and gets a touchdown. And it seemed like... Illinois was gonna because Illinois wants to wants to play in the pitch like Iowa and Michigan State like to do when they're when Michigan State is good, but they need to play in, in a different pitch. It, they they can't they can't win, when they 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 need a pitch where it's like rainy, and sleet, and and each team's turned it over like six, three times and they're and they've combined for twelve penalties and there's been like a couple of freak show plays. That's how they need to win. it. They, can't, they still can't physically stand up to a program to programs in our league like Iowa. If, if, if they can't do that yet. They, their recruiting in-depth isn't there yet, so it's got to be gimmicky. And, um, and, and so it was funny to see Illinois try to drag Iowa into a gimmicky game. And at times, Iowa seemed to want to accommodate them, but in the end, its physical advantage was too much for Illinois to overcome. One team had – uh, to me, the difference in the game is one team had A.J. Epinesa and Christian Welch, and the other team did not. And I, I just thought that was the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, you know, it was interesting. After the game, Kirk Ferentz himself said that uh, he was thinking about the Illinois-Wisconsin game during that game. That... Oh, the, the, this is what they did to
0: Wisconsin? Yes. Was, yes.
1: Yeah. Th- this is starting to remind him a little bit too much of that Wisconsin <laughs> game. Uh, just with the way some field goals were being missed. I mean, you missed two field goals in the first half. Um, and you know, you, you throw a horrific interception, uh, that Stanley had. And I mean, it, it was just, bad. he, he had some throws there in that second quarter the two, one of them was an easy seam route touchdown to a tight end that he mm-hmm. just, I mean, he just airmailed that ball. 15, mm-hmm. yard, 15 yards over his head, just just like, whoa, bro, what what in the world? And then that interception was like, it was like the only person he was throwing to was the defensive back, which the ball likely got away from him. But, you know, one thing in this game, and, and, and this is not to, to crack on Stanley because I, I quite frankly think that the, the criticism that he gets from some segments of the Iowa fan base has gotten too personal, as, almost as if they're, they're, they're angry with him because he's not what they want him to be. And that is when fandom crosses over to some degree of idolatry. This is supposed to be enjoyment, entertainment, um, something you do with your time that you look forward to for seven or eight months. Um, But, but not to where you get angry at athletes that choose to wear the colors that you you know, say you represent or represents you and your interests and in your rooting passions, and you get angry at them, and then you see him in the post game, not even able to contain his emotions because of just how much it all means to him. I mean, my gosh, if if you're one of those people that's just bitter because Nate Stanley didn't live up to your expectations, then do something else. Find something else to do with your life, because you are not doing it right. And um, But, yeah, I mean, just from a pure analysis of the game, he, he, he was a little jumpy. He was a little jittery. He was hyped up, never really seemed to acquire that change up on his fastball that, uh, that he needs. And there were a lot of really good catches out there because he was zipping that ball. But he is such an enigma, Steve, because he can make that throw, as you talked about, rolling to his left and hitting Amir Smith-Marset right in stride. He can make a throw that he hit to Tyrone Tracy on. I mean, he makes those NFL throws. Those types of throws are going to get him drafted because an NFL coach is going to say, okay, we can provide him better training and coaching at his position than he got in college, as most NFL teams will do. Um, And you either have the arm that he has or you don't, and he has it. But yeah, just, just, just quite an up and down game uh, on on Saturday. And, and there's a couple of notes that I wanted to bring up that I saw in the stat pack. Um, w- one thing I heard Scott Dockerman and Mark Morehouse talking about last week, Scott Dockerman called the College Football Hall of Fame. Kirk Ferentz is to, to, to qualify to be considered for the Hall of Fame as a coach. We've discussed it. You have to have 60% winning percentage and you and I, I mean, there's a little ambiguity on whether or not his time at Maine, which was an FCS school, would count against that. It will. It mm-hmm. will. And I don't know that Kirk is going to get to 60%. But I know that on Saturday, Kirk tied Hayden Fry for fourth all time in Big Ten coaching victories. And you know, whether he passes Hayden on Thursday or sometime next September is you know really all that's to be said there you're talking about one of the most successful coaches in the history of the Big Ten Conference, a four-time Big Ten Coach of the Year, uh, a two-time National Coach of the Year who may be on the outside looking into the Hall of Fame because of this 60% criteria and his time at an FCS school. Um, Another thing I had no idea that was going to happen Keith Duncan, Iowa's kicker, is now the Big Ten's all-time leader in field goals in a season. That's kind of a good news, bad news kind of thing. Yes. Um, you kick 27 field goals. That's an all-time record. That's um, because your offense wasn't really getting it done converting red zone trips into touchdowns, which we all know uh, that was a challenge for, for Iowa this year. Um,
0: so you're telling me he's going to be the first Big Ten kicker to get 30 field goals because he's got Nebraska – and then he's got a bowl game, and bowl game stats count now. So he'll be the first Big Ten kicker to ever kick 30 field goals in a season, is what you tell.
1: Uh Yeah, he would be. He would be. I'm curious how many in college football history have. What, what, do, you, what do you think of that, um, that Hall of Fame coaching criteria?
0: I think this is why Hall of Fames have veterans committees, or what they used to call them old-timers committees before we got politically correct. To deal with exception cases like this, because I would not, I would tell them not to alter their rules. It's not a hall of pretty good; it's a hall of fame. So I would tell them not to alter their standard. But there are always there, there there can be exceptions to a standard that make the standard more meaningful. Meaning, it, it's unlikely we're going to see too many stories like Kirk Ferentz, the story of a guy who was whose record at the lowest level was not very good. Got a, F, got a job at a top FBS program because you know, they had put all their eggs in the basket of the new hotness and it blew up on them, and they weren't sure which direction to go and he kind of got this on a lark and then ended up running with it after an absolutely terrible start. But a, a Mike Loxley level start in terms of the record, not necessarily the cartoon act, but the overall record looked very Loxley-esque and then all of a sudden we have the, the rest of the record and resume that you just talked about, because it goes back to what you and I said last week, you know, without even looking at the names, if I asked you, should a guy who is in the top five all time in the big 10 conference and wins be in the college football hall of fame, what would your answer be? Yes. Yes. Cause the answer, cause what should the answer be? Yes. Yeah. That should be the answer. So I think this is where you have, you know, exception committees, veterans committees, things of that nature, because once every decade or so, you're going to get a, you're going to get an, a story like this, or, you know, like a Terrell Davis in the NFL, who for four seasons looked like he was going to be the next Emmitt Smith, and then had a couple of freak knee injuries, and so what do you do? Do you just pretend like those four seasons when he was absolutely dominant carried John Elway across the finish line of his career when he wasn't when he was you know a better than average quarterback to two super bowl wins you just you just act like those seasons never happened what do you do that you know um and so i think this is where you, ha- you have to acknowledge the human element of exceptions because most of the time if you're not a good coach in the fcs you're not going to be a hall of fame coach at the fbs right is not right? that I mean what, what you know if blind taste test go hire 10 guys with losing records at the fcs how many of them do you think we'll have a winning record in the big 10 zero would be the answer. Okay. So this isn't even one out of 10. This is like one out of a million. I think, but, but, but it's, but it's worthy of making an exception to your rule that I think makes you, you want exceptions that make the rule more meaningful. Don't water it down right. because if the intent is to honor excellence, then the exception of putting a top five winningest coach in the history of the big 10 conference absolutely honors that excellence. You bet
1: it does. Iowa, Nebraska, Black Friday. Um, Iowa had some challenges defending a running quarterback. Well, a quarterback who ran, let's just say that, in Peters with Illinois this past week. I mean, he had – I'm pulling up the game stats from this one. He had 90 yards gained on 10 rushes, did Brandon Peters, in this game. I mean, you're very familiar with him, and running mm-hmm. quarterbacks probably not what would come to mind. Nope. Taylor Martinez no. is. Do you think that Peter's success running? Adrian Martinez. I, or, yeah. Adrian, I, your turn I, That's that the mistake. first time I, it, I did that. Yes. Because right. I've
0: made it like five times. Yes.
1: It's okay. Go <laughs> um, do you do you think Peter's success was more because Iowa did not? think it was coming they'll know that Martinez is going to run and there and and several times Peters was able to get away because it looks like Iowa was just running at him as if he he had wore cement shoes they they weren't playing the Denard Robinson contain approach the way I think they will with Adrian Martinez do you do you you think that's an uh uh-oh concern or just a weird thing in the game that we just saw
0: Yes and no. I think some of the schematic uniqueness that you just pointed out applies to Brandon Peters' success, um, and you'll know that that's a major facet of Adrian Martinez's game. So, you know, like on a zone read, for example, most of most of Illinois' zone reads are what are called bluff runs, meaning that it looks like the quarterback. It's like it's it's like the old pro style offense in Iowa that Iowa plays. You know where. Yeah, the, the, the goal is to make the handoff look the same as the, the play action that you'll run later on so that when you run the play action, everybody falls for it and thinks it's a handoff, right? That's why the quarterbacks carry out their handoffs. And that's the way that a bluff run works in his own read is for the time that the quarterback does choose to keep it. Nobody, you keep them guessing because they don't know, but given Brandon Peters has, has had injury issues. He's had a couple of concussions in his career. He's been hesitant to run it at times. And I think it was pretty obvious that Iowa's defensive game plan was he's not going to run it, you know? And then when he started, and so jump on the tailback because their backs are good. But then when he started to run it, now you can almost see Iowa's defenders like in an option in a no man's land, not sure in the old triple option, whether to take the pitch man or their quarterback. They just kind of, and so they took nobody. And then Illinois got to run whichever side that they wanted. Against Nebraska, it'll be coached this week to understand that you can't do that going in that you have to treat every read look like it, whether it's a bluff run or not, you have to stay disciplined. So I think schematically, Iowa will be better prepared knowing that that's a major facet of Nebraska's game here though is where the balance goes the other way is even though Peters was more successful running against Iowa than he probably has been all year. You know, the biggest issue Brandon has as a quarterback is his fundamentals breakdown too easily. Uh, and you saw that with some of the, you know, some of the throws he made on Saturday. And then when he would, then he, when he would escape the pocket, he doesn't, he doesn't quite have the athletic ability to throw on the run. He need, he, he's a guy who, here's the problem, Peter, Brandon Peters is a quarterback. He's, he's okay running the ball and he's okay in the pocket, but he's not great at either one. He's not terrible at either one, but he's not great at either one. And so he really needs the team around him to lift him. You know, is it, that's what I, what I just described as a game manager in the NFL. If, if, you, if he has time to hit a spot and his feet are set, he can make just about every throw. But, you know, how often can you do that when you're playing good teams? Against Nebraska, Iowa will be more disciplined in its rush lanes and, it, and its eye discipline because it knows it has to be because it knows this opponent, that's a part of how they play. But the difference is this time you're going up against a young man who can make those throws when he escapes the pocket can make those throws on the run. You saw it last year in Iowa City, for example, that Brandon Peters simply is just never going to be able to make because he's not that caliber of an athlete. And I think that's where uh, it kind of balances itself out on the other end.
1: All right. That'll wrap up this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve and John, we will talk to you soon.